Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to People Add Value Experience. I am extremely excited. Today we have a special guest, Jim Getz. Welcome to People Add Value Experience, Jim. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to getting this opportunity, just kind of chit-chat with you on Entrepreneur. It's, it's, a, it's a passion of mine. Yeah, I, I, so Jim and I have a very interesting history together. We've had a lot of fun together. Uh, we've also had some more serious conversations, but our relationship definitely started off um, having a good time. So uh, real quick, Jim, um, just to let everybody know who you are, uh, Jim, uh, we met, so he is a military veteran, um, getting close to retirement. Yeah, August 5th. August 5th, uh, 2023, for all those people that wanna, yep, <laughs> getting close to retirement. Uh, he has also been an entrepreneur for a majority of his life. His family was part of that, and now he is running the ball with that. So that's a really big deal. Uh, but more importantly, how we met, and one of the most important things about Jim in my eyes, is that he used to play rugby. So we played rugby together. Uh, wow, we had a lot of good times. He stepped on my, t on my thumb. Um, <laughs> Cause significant damage. <laughs> not, not to the thumb. <laughs> <laughs> just, just my emotional well-being. That's that's one hundred percent correct. Yeah. Yes. So, so anyway, so we met in in Germany. We were both uh, stationed there, played rugby, uh, became really close friends, and so now he is he is about to depart. He went from active duty to reserves, and now he's about to depart the military from a retirement standpoint and does some entrepreneurship and has moved up you know, in that arena and in multiple industries from just, Hey, I'm, I'm working at one to owning and so on. And I'll let him talk a little bit about that. So today, today, what we're really going to discuss is our background, our, his background, how we met and just being an entrepreneur in general and your journey through that. And the biggest thing for a lot of folks is the lessons learned, right? As you've seen that from multiple perspectives, and I think that's huge for people that either want to do it or working in it or even thinking about that. So that's that's definitely a lot of the part of the discussion that we're going to have today. So, but first off, you know, as, and by the way, as with this YouTube channel and podcast, we like to look at it with joy and humor. So for all those folks uh, listening, there's going to be some laughter and cackling, and that's just part of this because that's what we're all about. Um, so Jim, I'd like to go ahead and start off and have you just talk a little bit about your background and tell us about you. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I do kind of want to say I, whenever I am talking with like future business people, I actually do kind of tie in rugby and entrepreneurship together. One of the things I say is that when I was playing rugby and we had new people come in, you kind of knew right away if whether or not this sport was for them or not really the first game, first hit, if they popped up and they had this fire in their eye, you're like, okay, yeah, this is the sport for them. But if they pop up and they're like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, it's, it, this isn't for them. And same thing with the entrepreneurship. I mean, and it's kind of really been with myself. It's, it's, it's something that's kind of in you. And uh, it's kind of like the thing with nature and nurture and stuff like that. I definitely do believe that there's a nature element and it's, it takes a certain personality. It takes a certain person as long like with playing like rugby or, or other type of sports along those lines. Um, and for me, really, entrepreneurship has been in my family. Uh, really been kind of exposed to it my whole life. I, my dad was with uh, um, uh, a national uh, clothing brand for a while, and I remember uh, he he managed stores. And even on the side, I, we had like this old pizza place called Papa Gucci's. And I remember like 
my brother and I playing in like the play area while my mom and dad uh, were doing this this pizza concept. And I remember being in the garage doing mailers and stuff like that. I mean, just kind of just business orientated stuff has always been uh, in my life. Um, my sister worked uh, in high school doing entrepreneur. When I was um, in high school myself, um, my parents were part of a, a franchise as well, um, mostly located in malls and like airports and food service industry. Is, is that the one that smells really good, Jim? It is, yes. Does it does it look like a form of a pretzel, Jim, by chance? Um, you, you, you could say that it looks like bread hugging itself. Yes. Bread, bread hugging itself. <laughs> Maybe a, a, a it could form be salty. Of... It could be sugary. It could have uh, some pepperoni on you it. You could almost say it's relative based. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, um, but no, I, it's uh, entrepreneurship. Business orientation has always been a part of my life. Um, my... Uh, I went to college, Penn State, I, for engineering. But even in the back of my head, uh, as much as I enjoyed math, I enjoyed engineering, I had this idea of being a business owner. Uh, at first, I kind of thought it would be in the engineering field. Um, and uh, But then uh, I kind of got pulled in a different direction. Um, I even got my MBA while I was still in the reserves overseas. Uh, so business has always been in the back of my mind. I've always been drawn towards it. Yeah. So, so interesting enough, would you say, cause I've always been curious about this, right. And this, this comes into a little bit later, but would you say the formal education, the MBA helped you at all? Or do you think, cause I, I've same boat, right. But I found like foundationally speaking, I think it's important to have, and, and I would say formally informally, meaning that if you do studying on your own, but really looking into that, because there's the basis from finance, right. And, and a lot of people like, Hey, I want to jump in and they don't realize about overhead liabilities, assets, I mean, you know, how to build a burger, which is one of those really interesting examples. How much does a lettuce, the tomato cost per burger? And then, you know, finding the trend analysis, seasonal, I'm going to have X amount of people. And usually that takes about like a year, you know, to, to really find that. But again, unless you've done a little bit of outside studying or research, and again, it could be on your own. You could have some, some mentorship from other people, but those kind of things are so important. Having the fire and the passion and everything from the personality standpoint, huge. But there is a little, in my opinion, there's a little bit of that, that formality of, of those, the numbers basically that, that have to take place. I mean, there's a foundation education that you get and uh, it, it gives you a basis uh, then to when you uh, go into the school of life uh, that you can kind of fall back on. Um, and it, so it does. Yes. I mean, the MBA did help with that. Um, I mean, it's even even when I engineering wise I've construction management was our focus and even our professors say look we're going to give you a foundation for like common sense wise but your true education starts out is when you're out in the field 100% and you're learning I remember it was in the early days uh when I was working a lot and I had this one kid come to me and he goes yeah man I know exactly what you're going through uh, uh in the business world we had this one project where we had to start a business and, and run it and that day, I guess I was kind of feeling a little bit sarcastic. And I go, <laughs> so your family starves if your business uh, doesn't work? And uh, I mean, I came in a little too hot. But I mean, like, <laughs> but that, that's the part of it. I mean, like, All yes, right. he learned some foundational stuff, which will serve him very well. But life, I mean, that, that element of life and that potential for failure. Right. Also, it, 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 you, know, you, you fine tune your craft. And it's you commonly to... known as the school of hard knocks, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the painful lessons are the ones that you learn the most from. Right. And, uh... Wow, that's cool. So, 
so with that being said, so it sounded like you at, at a younger age, you really honed in on um, just witnessing it, right? From your from your parents' standpoint, very similar, right? The parents owned the bowling center. So I grew up spraying shoes, cleaning bathrooms, cleaning the parking lot, earning quarters to play in the video arcade. Right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, something like you, it sounds like you said with the, the marketing sense, if you will. Um, so that's it. I didn't know about the, the Papa Gucci's or whatever you called yeah. it. Yeah. Well, my it was like Papa Murphy's before Papa Murphy's. Uh, so it was take home pizza that you'd cook at home and stuff like that. Gotcha. I, yeah. Man, I have a rough time with that, man. I, I We've tried it before and it's just... It's just not the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the same, man. That's pretty funny. Um, so, so interesting enough. So tell me a little bit more about your uh, experience, I guess, because where we started off with um, just a bit, little personal side of the house. So how was your European experience, like living in Germany? Because I, I forgot how long you lived there. I lived there for about six years. And before that, I was in Korea for one year. There you go. Yeah. So what did you think about learning overseas and did that bring any kind of like pers personal experience or professional experience just to that, that night use right on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I mean, it's obviously it's a different culture. It's a different mindset. And so, I mean, that kind of helps in, in the workforce. I mean, that was, uh, when you're looking at a labor pool and a labor force, not everyone thinks and, uh, has the same background or thinks the same way. So, I mean, what's nice about being overseas is that you're now part of the minority instead of the majority when you're in a different country and you get immersed in immersed in something else. And so you learn to adapt and then you can kind of take that experience in the other ways that you've got to learn to adapt to different cultures, to different mentalities and try to be successful um, in those different arenas. I mean, even if you just want to even look at like characters within like a coffee shop. Um, you're going to have those talkative individuals, um, but yet they're not so much part of buying in, into the system. And then you're going to have like those system driven people that just want to put their heads down and work. So like, how do you maximize, where do you, to, to those talents and try to then also, also foster, uh, some of those characteristics which, to try to bring it out more. So, uh, on how to, uh, make someone who isn't naturally a customer service based individual. How do you, how do you get more out of them? Right. And, uh, right. Yeah. And that's it. So it's interesting, like you said, the workforce, right? Working with it, especially in the military, working with all the different people from all over the world and being all over the world. Right. And what I found that's very interesting is it gives you a different perspective because everyone that's lived in different areas, especially when you go to some of the rougher parts, if you will, of the world yeah. is I remember being overseas and like the value on socks, socks had a social status. If you had socks, that meant you were a certain tier of social status. And then, yeah, I lived, you know, in England for a while and living in a, the horse capital. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was like the jockeys, the owners and so on. And, and there was a very hard tier, hard set there. And that was very interesting learning that. And then of course, in the, in the, in the German culture, <laughs> um, the way that they approach, I believe it or not festivals. I thought that was so interesting that families all attended and everyone was having a good time and it was just, and they happen often. And a lot of people think, Hey, Oktoberfest, it's strictly Munich. Every town had their own Oktoberfest and they would set up a beer tent or they would close down some streets and everybody was there and everybody meant everybody. Like, yeah. and then one of the most uh, interesting part about living on the economy in Germany was, I think it was, was it Saturdays or Sundays? They like shut down and clean the streets and clean. Was it Sundays? I can't remember what day. Sundays is when they mostly shut down. Whoa. They yeah. shut down and you're sweeping sidewalks and flower pots on the windowsill. And so it's just an interesting so for me, from an entrepreneur and business instance, especially as you start to go globally, 
is you have to market differently, right? So that ties into like, okay, let me bring that down to a smaller demographic. Depending where you are, you have to target those demographics and, and market appropriately, right? Depending on your product, which leads me to now, now you, you are what? And, and, in the coffee industry. <laughs> um, so I have a couple roles. Uh, I'm an operator uh, for Big B Coffee. Um, Not military uh, operator, just a coffee exactly. operator, just to <laughs> exactly. clarify. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for the 5% that think military <laughs> operators. Uh, pew, pew, here's a coffee bean. <laughs> <laughs> so I handle operational uh, um, functions of, of the coffee shop. Um, uh, my other hat that I wear um, is I'm an area developer for Bigby Coffee within Indianapolis market. So people who are interested in joining uh, the brand, uh, really kind of jumping into the entrepreneurial world, I can help guide them through that process. When so what was the brand? What is the uh, coffee? Bigby Coffee. Bigby Coffee. Okay. Yep. 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 Give me a big B. So, big, uh, B. big B. I did. I did read a little bit about the history. I thought that was interesting with the name change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oops, it's easy. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. So, okay, cool. Uh, so what, what does that, I, I guess real quick, if you don't mind, if you remember it at all, do you have any information about the history of Big B and sort of how they came yeah, about? Yeah. So, I mean, they, they started franchising back in 1995. Um, uh, really kind of the concept began between uh, Bob Fish and Mary Roselle. They're the co-founders of uh, Big B Coffee. And then Michael McFall was a uh, nighttime part-time manager. And so they were looking at uh, opening up a second store. And Bob Fish and Mike McFall basically went on a walk to kind of discuss that second store. While take, during that walk, it actually, uh, they decided, hey, let's, let's do something bigger here. Mm. And, uh, and so really that's uh, the Big B Coffee brand and franchising concept began. Um, so now at the end of last year, there's over 330 wow. stores open in 11 different States. Um, Michigan is where it started. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where a lion's share of the stores are. And it's just kind of grown out from there. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. Cause you know, I like shark tank, right? One of my, yeah. I watch it and, and they'll go in and they do the pitch and they'll have all the, the shark tank folks there. And they're like, okay. And we're going to start and we're going to franchise, you know, we have one brick and mortar store and we're going to franchise they're like, hold on a second, like start slow, right? Yeah. Start like you just said with a second store and then you can proceed from there because once they mention franchise, like, hold on, hold on, you're growing too big, too fast. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear that the idea was there, but the, the seed was planted. Right. And, and so I think I, I have a, a mixed feeling on that. I think if you have it and you can organically grow the proof of concept with two or three stores franchising, boom, and you just, you blow it up. Some people, I think they don't allow enough time, right? And especially in today's society, we want it now, we want it here, you know, that you have to, you have to have enough time and experience. And like I said, those trends and understanding before you just boom and blow it up. And I'm not saying the time frame's different. I mean, it could be six months, it could be a year or whatever, but the people that, that go on, I mean, they're, they're like, oh, how long you, oh, like a year and a half. Okay, cool. And what's your plan? Well, you know, we do this and this. Now I will tell you the interesting jump is from food trucks to brick and mortar and back and forth. And I think that's, that's something I think that I've now with the experience and people have that there's enough data out there that you can do that pretty quickly. But, but it's, and, cause you said 95 is when they started, they right? And the, and their growth was very intentional. Um, uh, they really kind of wanted, they, they started off in East Lansing. And so they really wanted to focus in on that market. Then they kind of grew out uh, and started incorporating like Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo and start, they, they really just kind of started growing outwardly. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to grow smartly. So then that way they could have a strong foundation. Um, and I mean, they, 
Bigby coffee itself is kind of like metastasized a little bit from like the beginning days to what it is now. Right. Um, they had more food offerings and they started reducing some of that and they said, look, you know, who, what are we? You know, right. we're, we're a coffee shop. Let's be really good at what we do at that. And sure. they started like getting rid of some of like their soups and sandwiches. And so, yep. um, and then they started, uh, uh, as a franchising entity, they realized they needed to start bringing down that uh, initial investment. And so they wanted to make sure that as a person who's buying into the brand, they, they wanted multiple unit operators because mm. they knew that, uh, with a multiple unit operator, you get stability within the brand itself because I mean, they already know how to run a coffee shop. They've proven they can do it. Right. Um, and in order to do that, you, you, before you can even really want to think about that, you, you need to get a return on your investment. And so right. if you're dropping in a million, as opposed to maybe 500,000, uh, that return gets easier. But I mean, you also want to make sure it's a quality product. So I mean, sure. that, that was one of the things that really that was transformational for them was being able to bring down that initial investment so that uh, franchisees would be encouraged to. Uh, what did, what did you see as a difference going from the Papa Gucci's to the smell good salted cinnamony <laughs> goodness to the coffee industry. Like, so from, cause I, I feel we'll dig a little deeper in some of those details and the other things that we've discussed, but from, from an overarching franchise entrepreneurship perspective or lens, what, what were some of those commonalities you saw as not like looking back in retrospect, right? So, Hey, I started here. I was folding boxes, doing whatever you said, right. In, in the corner here, do this little gym. <laughs> yeah. And then going into that next phase. And did you see a lot of commonalities with, Hey, this is something that all franchises have done that have been successful. And maybe this is a differentiator that I saw that didn't work out so well here, but I've seen now in Bigby coffee that has worked out, you know, better. Do you, have you seen any of that, that, that kind of stuff? So generally when I find that like a concept is successful, is a they know who they are and they know who their market and their customer is um and they are they're serving a need um and or they're filling a gap that's out there um like with uh like with papa gucci's my parents saw the opportunity because sometimes people don't have time to go sit down or it's a little bit tougher with family to sit down in a restaurant um so then this way they can take the pizza home and uh they can cook it on their time Right. And still, but they're not having to make it. Cause it does and smell good. It does. When you're yeah. cooking pizza, it does um, smell good. Yeah. Same thing with the, uh, the, uh, the, the pretzel shaped baked good item and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was, uh, yeah. it was a good treat. It was good tasting. And there really wasn't anything like that at the time when they started coming out. Do you, yeah. So do you know, right. And cause I don't know if it's part of marketing. You can say yes or no, but when you walk through certain malls, you get the like bath and body smell, right? Yeah. Like, they're spraying or spritzing something and the lotion and the candles and you're drawn in or even candle shops, right? Like they have that going on or like certain, you know, sandwich shops will bake bread or cookies yeah. will be being baked. And that just is something that draws you in, right? So you can have all the neon lights and do whatever and pamphlets and trifolds and stuff. But when you're present there, like to draw in the foot traffic, I believe is the term, right? To draw in the foot traffic, having that smell, is a huge deal. Was that an official part of it or just by happenstance because you're, you're baking the goods and yeah, it's a yes and no. Um, uh, but it, and, and again, it's kind of, I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't work when you're driving down the road. 
Correct. Right. You know? That's and foot traffic. So, yeah. yeah. And so it's, uh, and again, it's kind of understanding who you're marketing, who your customer is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's also kind of like the lure back then of baking it there. Right. Was, uh, again, it was kind of a show. Uh, you can kind of watch it. It was kind of like the old fudge factory stuff. Like you'd watch them make the fudge. It was kind of fun, but it, again, it smelled good and, and, and so forth. I mean, right. it's kind of like, so you're, you're entertaining while also drawing them in with smell. And I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into, um, your taste and what you like and what sure. you want to do and so forth like that. Um, uh, and then kind of like conversely kind of talking about like strategies. I mean, again, like with Big B Coffee, we, we know who we are and we know what we want to be. And we focus on that. We want to be that community coffee shop. And, right. and so we're, you know, we, uh, so we, we look for not main and main locations. We'll look for locations that are, um, you know, kind of closer to like kind of on the fringe of residential mm-hmm. um, because that you're closer to the community and right. you're on the way to people's lives. And, right. uh, um, and also too, we, we do believe you, you get what you give. And so uh, um, being connected and, and so forth. And people want a quality product and, right. uh, and it's definitely, they focused on providing a quality product and customer service. I mean, even in this day and age where uh, you just don't get that as much, just that human interaction and that focus on that, uh, and so I mean these are these are these are all things that us as Big B Coffee really focus on, and we find that we can be successful against like global behemoths. Um, yeah. So so with with that like okay so so you've went so just some background right so you you grew up in the instance you served in the military went overseas you have this different perspective by the way, pivoting, right? Engineering, entrepreneurship, while, while there's some similarities quite different from a specialty standpoint, uh, bringing some of those skill sets to the table, soft and hard skills, right? Because again, I think, you know, numbers, right? <laughs> Even though accounting numbers are completely different than engineering numbers. Oh my goodness. So now you're in baby coffee. And so, so tell us like, I mean, I don't think we've really stepped into it before we dive in and again to, to marketing, which we're talking about the, the targeted demographic. But, but how like specifically did you get into the coffee industry? So we, we talked a little bit about, Hey, I was here, um, working, I think with helping your parents, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Correct. And then how, how did that present itself to you? How did the coffee industry come and say, Hey Jim, you know, get, get on board. Like what was that journey like for you? Yeah. Um, so as I got out of the air force, um, I started working for a uh, German construction company that did work at the air force base. Absolutely loved it. Um, some, uh, uh, some things kind of changed my role within the company kind of changed. Um, and, uh, as, as it was satisfying again, when you work for somebody else as, and again, this is, there's like three reasons why people want to go into business. And one of which is they're kind of, uh, they, they're kind of tired of working for that other person or, right. trying to, you know, like we're creating a legacy for somebody else. And sure. so instead you want to kind of create that legacy for yourself. Right. And so, um, as my parents were already in the business world and I was kind of not as satisfied with the, the role I had at that time, um, it, that entrepreneur spirit within me always was kind of drawing me out. And, uh, um, so I was looking back, I was looking to say, okay, I would like to go back to the States. Um, and kind of be closer to family as my parents were getting older and such like that. And uh, I, I had looked for construction management type jobs and I was just going to be everywhere. I was going to be moving. I was going to be moving more than if I was in the military. 
military. Right. And I was kind of looking for a little bit more stability. <clears throat> and so then uh, uh, I was approached by my parents and saying, hey, we're thinking about jumping into the coffee industry. And, oh, I didn't know that part. Um, and so, uh, and so I, and I said to them, well, well, I'll be honest with you, I was actually kind of thinking about approaching you guys on initially with that one company that they're working for. But I, I saw that within the United States, there was a big like gap uh, mm -hmm. within the coffee industry. I mean, you have major players, right. but you never really had any, uh, I mean, outside of saying Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, there really wasn't any other major players that are out there. Mm -hmm. um, and as I uh, started doing research and kind of started talking, I found that there, there were people who stick or brand loyal, um, but there are people who just, they just went just because that was the only option that was there. And so I saw that there was a gap and there was an opportunity. There was obviously a desire to consume. All right, Jim. So with the, with the gap you found in the market or, you know, more specifically, how did you actually find that gap, that, that need because for the local community coffee shops? Um, I mean, research, I mean, just also just when you're in that market itself, because I mean, the different, uh, different markets, uh, locally, uh, also like we, I actually started off in Champaign, Illinois, uh, with Big B Coffee. And it was one of the things that I had learned, um, kind of going back to, you have your major players and then you have the customers who are kind of indifferent. They're just kind of looking for options. As one of the things I kind of learned in Champaign was there was just so many coffee brands that were available there. And so there were so many brands that were fighting for that, the, that same customer base mm -hmm. that wasn't loyal to the brand. And so, um, and now like in the Indianapolis market where I'm at, uh, there was Starbucks, there was Dunkin', there really was no, like you couldn't really name another constant brand. Yeah. And I, and I do believe that was something that kind of led to the success of the brand. So as we've had in that market is locally, there was, you just talking with locals, just driving around, uh, that, and there's huge lines at the coffee shops that are there. And so, so you actually go to these, these right. coffee shops, like so, you go. Correct. Yeah. Okay. You, you notice that something, there's a high demand and it's underserved. Yeah. And so that is, uh, that, that's one element of it, you know, and then also too, you start looking at the numbers, um, of the coffee consumers. Um, and then also it's kind of understanding who your customer base is like 50, 60 years ago, those were drip people, you know, and, and right. that, that's what they wanted. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, people became more refined uh, you know, more specialty type beverages. They, they stopped going to like the truck shop, yeah. like molasses, yeah. you know, oh, the, the diner. I mean, it's the, yeah. the diner essence, you know, like right. the, the coffee to something more specialized. Um, also too, we're a generation of customization. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and so we want things our way, you know, not just one way. And so that just, they're, the coffee industry was just lagging except for obviously, you know, uh, one huge player that, uh, that Starbucks that was able to kind of develop that brand right. and develop that need. It was kind of like where the iPhone, uh, people didn't realize they needed the iPhone until the iPhone was around. And then now other, there are other concepts like, you know, Android and so forth that, right. that, that feed into that. Right. And so, um, so I, I mean, I just, just recognizing that seeing the trends, I mean, you got other, uh, large brands like, uh, McDonald's that just focused like on McCafe. They focused in on coffee. I mean, Dunkin' really was a donut place until oh, yeah. they really started focusing and saying, okay, no, the, 
the drinks and trying to remember those commercials. Oh yeah. Time to make the donuts. donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So, I mean, so, I mean, you can kind of just, you can see that there's a high demand and low offerings. And so, um, and then I, I then start doing your homework. What, what, uh, what's the culture that you're looking for? What's the quality of product? Um, where are they located? Um, I mean, I, I really wasn't interested in a brand that was based out of, uh, the Rocky Mountains or based out of East Coast because I'm so far away from the logistical train, so far away from oh, office support. Good point. Um good point. and so uh so then I was looking more for Midwest region and uh Big B Coffee kept popping up. I love the energy. To be honest with you, they reminded me a lot of some of like the brand that my parents were part of before they exploded big. Mm. And I really so I, I I so it was a solid company uh that was growing um uh smartly. Um, cause you can grow too fast. Right. If you can't support that growth, mm-hmm. it, the, the, the deck of cards are going to fall in on each other. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I liked that they knew who they were, they knew their strengths and they were growing smart. Um, I've been associated with brand now for 13 years and, uh, I didn't ever, man, time flies. I know it does, <laughs> it? I'm getting like, old, man. You get, you get like Facebook memories from like our rugby days. Oh. Like, it feels like it was like 10 lifetimes oh, ago. Gosh. And, yeah. uh, um, but I mean, even now, like from 13 years ago to what they are now, I mean, they've morphed, I mean, like for the area de- uh, developer role or area representative role that right. I, I perform, uh, because like when they first started off the home office, they were just kind of growing out from there. They wanted to grow smartly. And so, uh, like myself, when I started off in Champaign, Illinois, I was kind of like in the wild west of Big B Coffee. And it was like five or six hours away, but still, nonetheless, it was it was a different market. Like right. I, uh, they had uh, rent structures and they had expenses based off of Michigan, but I was in Champaign. I mean, it's oh, completely yeah. different. And uh, and so, uh, what's nice now about the area developer realm is that you now have many home offices that are local. And so, when people are thinking about joining the brand. A, they have local support, someone who's been a part of the industry for a long time. Uh, and uh, they understand the market. They understand... Uh, that area market. Right, like, exactly, that area. By definition. Correct, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, like, where does it make sense to uh, uh, put a coffee shop? Well, you kind of understand uh, traffic patterns. I mean, you can Google or something, yeah. but you, if you, I mean, the locals understand the, the path that people take. And uh, Yeah, swinging into like... A place that does not have good parking and, or spits you back out into traffic that is a big pain in the butt to, to get in again the stoplight or whatever yeah. all those like really i mean that that as a consumer plays a big role for me yeah. i will i will specifically go to one location because it's easier to get in and out yeah. than other places or like you said even seeing it and that's part of marketing too right like right. just the drive-by and i mean these are all things that you you just kind of learn like unfortunately and like this is the benefit that I bring to the people within the Indianapolis market is I've made some cardinal sins in mm. the beginning stages. And, uh, I had success and I also had some failures and what, yep. um, and what I was able to do from that, I was able to, and this kind of goes back to the engineering mind. I super analyze things. I analyze numbers. Um, and, uh, and I started, okay, what are similarities between the success and what were the similarities between failure? that way I can start to duplicate the success and avoid failures. I mean, business, there's always a sense of risk. Um, but what can you do to hedge that risk? What can you do right. to make yourself have a greater chance of success? If, if you've come in, as you stated, right, I've been in a long time. 
And also the interesting part, what I want to ask you about the Illinois jump to Indiana, if there was lessons learned, but, but yeah, you've, you've completed those lessons learned and you're mitigating that curve. Right. So they come in instead of starting from, Oh, I have to learn. Like you're boom. Now you're learning. Curve. There's always a learning curve no matter what, right. but you, at least you were able to downsize that, that, that Delta of that learning curve for them. So they can come in and like you said, have a higher percentage. So it, any part that you mitigate on that Delta provides a better opportunity and probability of success for them. So that's right. important. And also, too, is that, uh, I mean, it's the business mentorship part of it. And there's some comfort in knowing that I have been in your exact shoes. Like, and I, I have I, really big feet, so probably not you, my shoes. Right. But. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but kind of like, but I understand where they're coming from. I, I can understand mentality. I can, I can start, I can see that look in their eye. Um, and, uh, um, and also, too, like when I'm talking to them, there's a relative street cred that goes along with the fact that I've lived their journey. Um, and so when I'm coming to them, it's not because I read this book, you know I mean? It's important to continuously learn and sure. to develop yourself. But, uh, but I also have the experience that I can pull from. It isn't just me going off of a theory right. or, uh, you know, like, Oh, I've worked. I like, I, I have practical experience along with the formal education that goes along with it. So, so interesting enough. So with that being said, and then, so sounds like, Hey, the parents sort of dropped again, planted the seed. Hey, I was already thinking about going in the coffee industry, jumping in, starting off in champagne. So, so tell us a little bit about the going from champagne, what happened there and what provided your opportunity and or the move to Indiana. So what, what was the background there? Yeah. Hence, why are you no longer in Champagne and you're in Indiana? Uh, Indiana. Yeah. Indiana. What did I say? I think you said India. <laughs> sure. Mumbai. Close. <laughs> Very close. A couple letters missing. Yeah. But it's a different, different customer. <laughs> um, so the way that I got to Champagne was, like as I mentioned before, like when I came back to the states and my parents were looking to get into the coffee industry, um, they were already associated with malls, and there was a mall that uh, their business was in that didn't have a coffee concept, mm. and so. Uh, so that we said, okay, uh, we know the landlord, we know the space. So I kind of came in knowing where I was going to go, uh, as opposed to most franchisees that uh, once they've signed, now the journey is, okay, where are you going to put the coffee shop? Um, and so that's how I got to Champagne. was that, that was the opportunity. The spot was there. Um, and then the idea was to develop the Champagne market. Now, the way that Illinois is, is you have a town that's surrounded by farmland. So uh, I had opened up uh, my third location in uh, the Champagne market, and I was starting to look, okay, what's the next island I'm going to hop to um, that I can kind of start to develop that market. And most of the, from Champagne, the, the, the markets I wanted to go to was an hour, hour and 20 minutes away. Um, and then there was this really big market that was like an hour and 40 minutes away that was just down Interstate 74, and that was the Indianapolis market. And... Uh, um, I kind of went to the Indianapolis area, uh, and again, it was back to kind of noticing, okay, who are the players? Um, you know, and then I went to the players, and I'm like, holy cow, there's a, you know, there's these huge lines, um, and I kind of, I wanted to try to understand who my demographic was, and uh, um, and is this a business friendly uh, area? Mm -hmm. um, like it, it's. It needs to be large enough to support a coffee shop, but yet do they value uh, like our ideals, like the community involvement? 
Um, I mean, you're going to have some places that it's just, it's a commuter town. So uh, being involved in the community, it's, that's not their community. You know, it's, that's the, like, if I wanted to go downtown Indianapolis, you kind of have to have some branding recognition mm -hmm. before you go down there right. where out in the suburbs where people are living, you're, you're investing in that community, that community is going to value that more. So right. again, it's going back to knowing who you are and, uh, and playing to those strengths. And, uh, I, I mean, I, it works for the field of dreams, but if you build it, they come, that doesn't always happen. Right. You know? And so um, you need to, you need to understand who you are and what your market is and where you need to go. Was, was there such a big difference from state to state? So that's right. The generic speaking of, of here's the, the target marketing, the demographic, is there a consumer for this product? Yeah. But was there a big difference because oh, there's always state taxes and then there's certain overhead. And I mean, there's always, it feels like there's always like some minor nuances of some kind of fee that you're like, wait a minute, until you get into that role or that business, right. it, you don't, you're not even aware of it. Right. I mean, so for touristy areas like us, like we have some stuff near the beach that has since imposed certain uh, taxes and you'll notice it on your receipt and you're like, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Right. So was there anything like that you saw going from Illinois to Indiana? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, definitely. Indiana was more business friendly. Mm. Um, so on that element of it. So, I mean, ultimately as an entrepreneur, you're, you're, it's a for-profit business mm -hmm. and you have to overcome your operating expenses to get to that profit. Yeah. And so if you find yourself in a community where there's less expenses, then you've got more profit right? and you can grow and you can develop yourself more. So, I mean, just the landscape between the two States were different. Indiana is a very uh, business friendly environment. I think that's also one of the reasons why Indianapolis is growing mm. as large as it is outside of just being like a logistical hub. Um, and so, yes, there was benefits there. Also, too, when a customer base uh, has more disposable income, mm. they're more likely to dispose of that income. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, right. kind of, it's just the way it is. You know, yeah. I mean, we're a consumer society. And so, uh, um, and so, I mean, it, it was a very healthy economy in the Indianapolis area, which, again, uh, that, that plays into roles. And that's also the reason why so many brands and businesses want to come into that market. And it, I mean, again, it goes back to, I know I keep saying the same thing, understand the market, uh, that you're going into. And, uh, so it was a pro business underserved market, uh, with high demand. Yeah. So, so what, so what I was reading some articles and doing some, some back research, if you will. And I noticed that the champagne stores, I think at a certain period. So I started to divest myself of, yeah. of the, uh, the champagne store. So um, when I opened up my Plainfield location in the Indianapolis area, in the Indiana market, um, the first day we were open was the 4th of July. In fact, actually, uh, this 4th of July will be the sixth year that stores wow. open. Uh, I'd already had Bigby Coffee shops and champagne for about four to five years. And... On that day we opened in uh, Plainfield, I did more on that day in a brand new market than I did any day uh, four years wow. previous in Champaign. Um, great market, great people. We still have people from Champaign that drive to the Plainfield store to get drinks. And this kind of goes back to who we are as a company. We're involved, we're Hold on. on customer service. An hour and a half? I kid you not, people show up with a cooler and they'll get four or five drinks. They'll put it in the cooler and they'll take it back. 
Wow. Yeah. And so, wow. I, I mean, that's pretty amazing to be honest. I mean, that's some, yeah. that's pretty, you know, it reminds me of, okay. So <laughs> completely different market, completely different everything, but you know, Bucky's have you ever been to a Bucky's gas station. Yes. yes. They're giant. <laughs> they have, their, <laughs> they have barbecue. They have no, but what I'm saying is I, like, there's one, they're not close to us. There's an right. hour and a half away, Yeah. but it's first off, it's large enough. So I can take my, my crew with me and yeah. not feel like we're confined, Yeah. but they've, they've, by the way, Texans not so happy about it. Yeah, now, Texas. Sorry, I you know being from Texas, I love it, but yeah, it, it's an experience, right? And yeah. and they've they've started to build. I mean, maybe not loyalty, whatever. It's commuter. I get it, different, but people drive and they're like instead of going to a typical whatever, they'll go there. So it's just interesting to know that you built such a loyalty with consumers that people will drive an hour and a half plus yep. to get drinks and then take them back. In a cooler. Yeah, I've never. I mean, that's amazing. And we've uh, outside of adult beverages, but that's still <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's and it's. I mean, our drinks are good. Our product is good, but it's the customer interaction. It's the customer experience. It's the devotion to the community. And again, it kind of and it goes back to understanding your market. What do people value? And, uh, and that is how smaller brands like Big B Coffee, when you compare them to like global corporations. That's how you survive. That's how you live is, is grassroots connecting with the company because I mean, they're so large, they don't need to do it. I mean, honestly. And so, uh, and, and I think people still value that, uh, care factor. And like another strength that we have is our franchisees. I mean, we're hundred percent franchise. So every person, uh, every owner of a big B coffee is, someone who's put on that apron, who has uh, worked the line. Uh, they, and so when people come into the store, they're like, that's my coffee guy, you know, and, and you associate with that and you, uh, and there is value with that. And even when like I, myself, I no longer work the line, but I still have like, I still have like connections with people that I see them. And, uh, and we'll talk for like 15, 20 minutes or starting to get, you know, just again, reconnecting and just, filling in the gas since it was the last time we've seen each other, but they still associate me with a coffee shop. They still associate, this is my coffee shop, you know? And, uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's how you, that's how you survive and that's how you grow. Um, and, yeah. So, so it's a great, so I have two things to transition into here. So, so coming again from your history, getting to where you're at, looking at the target market, um, moving, right. Finding somebody, some, some place that's a little bit better for business. And again, that could yeah. be taxes, overhead consumer, all of those things. So, so once you move in, right, you have all this data. So how do you start marketing in that? Right? Like, so whether that's, Hey, we're opening a new business or something to sustain, how does some, somebody from an entrepreneurship standpoint with a, you know, quote unquote, mom and pop place or something along those lines, that's not giant, like a giant chain, nationally chain, right. national chain. Um, how do you, how do you market Big B coffee? How does that work? Um, uh, again, Not you, but right, yeah, I, know <laughs> I mean, how, how does it get marketing strategy wise? And so, um, I mean, it's even <laughs> within the Indianapolis market. Like when I first started off, um, I, I had my, uh, my location, my pin prick, so to speak, like this is my little pin dot, uh, in the Indianapolis area in Plainfield. And so then I said, okay, I'm going to focus on this customer group, which is basically a mile from the coffee shop. So anything that I'm doing marketing wise needs to be focused on that. And again, it's going back to, I've said it before, understanding your market. And, uh, um, and it even goes into before you place that dot, it's understanding your market and 
and that mile radius. And so again, with marketing and anything else, you want to make sure it's measurable because you want to make sure that you're getting value from it. Um, if I spend a thousand dollars in marketing, I should hopefully get more than a thousand dollars worth of value back. Um, so that's like customer acquisition, right? You know, on Shark Tank, is that what they, I can't remember the term. It's like literally for, well, escaping I mean, there's two me, things. There's customer retention right. and customer acquisition. Yeah. And targeting so, the acquisition uh, part right now. And yeah. so, I mean, that's, uh, and, uh, I mean, we're a consumer, we're, we're a consumption based product, right. obviously. And so, uh, you got to have your base foundation and then you need to pull in tertiary business. And so, um, and it kind of goes back to what I tell people like we're not creating coffee drinkers, you're stealing them. And so you need to be more convenient than what their current alternative is. Mm -hmm. And so, so, I mean, there's, again, there's a lot of strategy that goes into finding that place and I can talk forever on that. So, but, <laughs> but do I mean, you like, do you like to the marketing wise is that, yeah, uh, yeah thank you. Um, I mean, so, uh, and again, this is just through experience that I've had, like doing billboards, doing radio, oh, okay. uh, doing, uh, um, other type of advertisement forums. And I find that the, when you're first starting off, the best way is just a good old coupon. And uh, uh, that coupon brings value. Um, and uh, Is it, that mail or newspaper? Like how, how do you typically, how, how have you seen it work better? So I have, um, there's a multi-prong way of doing it. I mean, <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds very like synergy, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. We have to synergize. We have to synergize. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got my business authority that I'm using here. Yeah, right. Um, but again, it, it goes back to, I mean, people, people consume data in many ways and mm -hmm. they, um, old school still works that physical coupon in your hand. So mailers, um, and uh, so doing that, so getting something in the mail. Also, too, when you're at the store, um, I, you know, giving people coupons there as well. Um, I I go to establishments and uh, like schools, and like I'll give like free kids drink cards. Um, so I mean, those are so I actively going out and planting coupons that way. Um, I'll do community events um, and do couponing that way as well. Um, it's uh, any. I mean, I, I look at those op as opportunities of anytime I put the brand in front of somebody, it creates an impression. And so when they do drive by and like, you know, like, oh, I remember this from this trunk or treat event or uh, there, I saw something on Facebook for a ribbon opening or, um, you know, we partnered with like Susie's Place, which does like helps out with people like with domestic violence and stuff wow. like that. Yeah. And so like they're giving away donuts and we're next to them giving away free coffee with it. Um, again, there's just little touch points where people start to see the brand and then when f suddenly when they go by the coffee shop, they're like, okay, yeah, I, I've seen that. I'm going to give that a try, you know? And, uh, um, and the coupon kind of takes away that barrier. Like if I said, I'm going to give you stuff for free, you're going to have a huge line coming through that, uh, that store. Yep. Um, or if you do 50% off again, it's not gonna be as much as free, but you're still going to get people there. So, um, when it comes to marketing, it's just kind of like you have to have a goal. What do you want? Um, and then making sure you're putting your money in the right direction. Are you wanting to focus on uh, turning a one to two day customer into a three to four day customer? Uh, that's a different strategy. And there's marketing strategies that go along with that. Um, if I want to grow my customer base, there's different strategies and there's different forums that you go out there and market. Like I'm not going to... Um, it makes more sense for me to do a free kids drink card and go and try to gain 
another customer as opposed to so do you know it's funny right because <laughs> you said hey i go to schools and i put out these co-. so i'm picturing these like 10 year olds just just <laughs> pounding back some coffee and then the parents are like what is going on with you <laughs> that's like in my head that's yeah, what i'm picturing no, now. Good. Yeah. actually I mean, maybe that's it kind of goes back to like with big b coffee we know who we are we're a beverage-based company and so uh, yes, coffee is in our name, so <laughs> we we do have that. But we actually have more stuff without coffee than with, and so uh, and and so that's why I say free kids drink cards. <laughs> so like, Here's you know, an espresso like, shot, yeah, kid. Yeah, <laughs> Good luck, parent. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But, but but we have smoothies, we have hot chocolates, and you know, and uh, and we also have like uh, drinks that are more appealing towards teenagers, like our uh, energy drinks. Like we have Red Bull drinks. Um, we also have like what's called our Big B Blast, so you can do that with or without caffeine. And oh, so, okay. um, so I mean, we uh, we have a wide variety that meets a large target base. Yeah. And so that's interesting because you know the other brands have like oh it's something refresher or they yeah, have yeah. whatever. And you know at at the end of the day, it's I think like you said, it's important to know who you are. So if if that does work, great. I do feel that I have gone into stores and sometimes you like as they say on on Shark Shark Tank, right? I love I love that show. So. But like the SKUs, how many SKUs do you have? Yeah. Like I have 600 SKUs. They're like, you're, you're not going to make it. Like you've spread yourself too thin right. because again, they think in their head they know, but also there's the resource base behind that. So having the experience, right? You, the company, it's been around a while, being able to test that out and saying, yes, we can, we can sustain that. And also understanding the trend coming. So the, the historic right. trend and then what's now on trend and saying, okay, how can we incorporate and make drinks to meet that without oversaturating, you know, your store and maybe starting to lose a piece of that. So I think that's a really cool differentiator. Right. Um, and I do want to add is that like one of the benefits to a franchise is, um, uh, I mean, there's like a royalty that's associated with being a part of a franchise. And, right. uh, um, and I, I refer to that as you're outsourcing your back of the house support. And that's basically your cost for the outsourcing the back of the house support is the royalty fee. You have like, we have a home office base that's doing exactly what you just said. They're understanding the trends that are out there. They're, they're going to the shows. They're seeing what's up and coming and so forth like that. Um, so that they can keep us on the leading edge of things. Um, so well, yeah, there's drink shows out there, Jim. There is drink shows out there. So yes. And so I'm more than happy to come to those. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, but in other ends too is that uh, skew analysis, and so we own our own uh, POS, our per, uh, point of uh, point sales, of sales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, data. That's huge. And so uh, they they're able. There's people that are able to say, okay, these are the skews that aren't moving as fast, and we we do. We will add product and we'll take away product um, based so on that. I just want to hit that real quick. That's. Very interesting because so there's breweries and things, right? And they start off small. And I think even being small is important to look at that data and have it start having gaining an understanding because even if you're not franchising out right for your store to see, and we I don't we haven't touched on it, but there's seasonal things, right? Like there's always, hey, you know, there's pumpkin or whatever, whatever it works between this time and this time. We noticed if we kept it longer, it would start to, you know, go down. Right. Um or rest, I mean, restaurant, breweries, I mean, you name it, different industries looking, or, or which is really big, right? Doing some formal classes, looking at supply chain and all those things. And they right. say, okay, long sleeve shirts for this period of time. And if they don't sell, then they go on right. a half price or whatever. And that's 
you you have to look at those trends. That is so huge. So I think so. Thanks for saying that. I think that's just that's an important thing for every industry, large or small. Well, I mean, in the end, I mean, you're a for profit business. If you uh, if you can't minimize your expenses and you don't have that focus, you're now we're top line driven. So I mean, what we mean by that is we're not bottom line driven. So like we're we feel that you know gross sales. It's important to put focus in on growing your customer base and growing sales, but that doesn't mean we're ignoring the expense piece of it. And so um, you've got to keep uh, labor in check. You've got to keep your cost of goods uh, in check. Um, now that isn't our focus because that focus, if you're so worried about labor, then you're forgetting about who you are as a company mm-hmm. um, and you're, you're starting to lose like customer service elements, right? You know? And so, um, and again, cost of goods. I mean, again, there's a, there's a happy median that's out there. And what's good about uh, a franchise and especially a franchise that is got, you know, 300 plus stores is that, and again, we own our own data is that we're able to start looking at trends and what is, what is a healthy number mm-hmm. to have. And so, and again, you can share that with franchisees. And so like you got people, I mean, majority of our franchisees are people who have transitioned from one life and they want to go into a different life. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you've got larger, uh, larger multi-unit uh, franchisees out there, but most of them are just, they're, they're like, either I'm a teacher and I now want to have a coffee shop. So they don't have some of the business acume that's there. Um, and so what's nice about a franchise is that they're able to provide that data. And so now I'm not saying that they don't have the business acume and they're not smart and get there, but they, but they, uh, they're able to take that data and then apply it to how they can best improve their business. So, so, so does the back office also now, because, and, and I'm just curious or if you feed it or not being at the area level, um, do you, does that, cause there's, I'm assuming there's a holistic, right? This works nationally. And then I'm, I'm assuming there's like local areas, right? Whether that's by stake, stake by state or something else like this pocket, you know, we, we did notice again, right. They like more apple compared to pumpkin or something else, but that would work in Indiana. But if we did that in Illinois or Michigan, that wouldn't work. So does that come from the area? Like I'm again, all the data gets aggregated and then when it's shared out, so something that would provide, I guess, comfort as a new franchisee coming on board is like, Hey, we get it. You're here. We have an area developer. Um, and we have this data we know, right. We know because of X amount of time. Um, so, so out of that being said, and I know that you said, I think 11 States, 11 States, 11 States. So if someone wants to open this in a new state, how does that work? Like, so is there a team that helps out support that now? And are they also in the same line as far as doing the research? Do they levy more or leverage more on to the potential franchisee to do some of that? How does that work as far as like that collaboration goes? So like, for instance, if you're like wanting to join the Big B Coffee family, um, not every market has an area developer. Uh, Now, Eventually, that's the goals that every market does. Uh, however, the main area developer is the, is the home office in Michigan. So, like, if there isn't like a me in your area and you're wanting to join, like, say, if you were in uh, um, uh, Virginia and you wanted to open up a Big B Coffee, you would work with the home office, and then they would, uh, uh, you know, they would work in that connection with you, and that's how you would reach out, and that's how you would join the family is through there. Oh, that's um, cool. Uh, and so um, now. 
you, without getting into a whole lot of nuances, uh, you had to be registered in certain states in order to open up uh, a like a, a Big B Coffee franchise. And so not every one of those states are we registered in. So mm-hmm. there are some people who want to say, hey, I'd like to open up one here, and we're not able to at that moment uh, uh, service them. I'm assuming if there's enough interest, right? right? If you start getting approached by three, 10, whatever people, right. then right. you're like, okay, because it has to be the juice worth the squeeze and it's the right business. So it makes sense. I'd like to thank Jim Getz and Big B Coffee. If you thought that was great, it gets better in part two.